What was your <laughs> I'm in danger moment? So I was walking my school, and there's this little street with two lanes that leads onto the highway that you need to pass to get to my school. I usually wait till everyone has passed since no one respects the yield, but that day, the guy in the right lane actually yielded, which was awesome. So I made my way across. Suddenly, as I passed through the right lane and entered the left lane, before my mind could process anything, my body just straight up stopped moving. I was briefly confused before I felt two cars barely graze both my front and backside. Apparently, the guy on the right started driving again as soon as I was out of his lane, and at the same time, a guy behind him was being impatient and jumped to the left lane without stopping for me. So they both passed me at the same time while I survived by being frozen in the minor gap between the two. Honestly, my subconscious is the only reason I'm alive today. Something very similar happened to me in high school. I was walking home from school down a very busy street. I was approaching an intersection, but I stopped a few feet from the edge and just froze behind the light pole. At that moment, a car runs a red light, hits the back of a car, and sends it spinning towards me. The car also clipped a motorcycle, sending it flying 40 feet in the air. The car ends up one foot away from the light pole. I am behind, stopping in the area I'd usually wait to cross the street. If I hadn't just stopped, I'd be pretty badly hurt. I was in a bouncy castle at a college ball, and my friend turned the pump off as a prank. My head was sealed in the deflating plastic, and I was suffocating, kicking my legs wildly trying to free myself. I had almost passed out when someone noticed and pulled me out. It would have been quite an anonymous end. Oh yeah, because that's a good prank. Wee, wee, hmm, what does this do? Chicka, 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 Roger, would you seriously turn off the pump to a bouncy castle with people inside? Of course not. Only when it's funny. Come on! It's only a prank. <laughs> when I was about 14, I chucked a teen angst tantrum and went for an angry walk in the bushland behind my house. Didn't take my phone, didn't tell anyone where I was going, just stormed out. It started raining pretty heavily after about 45 minutes, so I turned back to head home. But a bridge I had crossed had been washed away, and the creek was rising very rapidly. I stupidly skidded down the embankment to see if I could cross, but didn't realize the rain had made it too slippery for me to be able to climb back up. I vividly remember standing on that little patch of rock thinking, Haha, I might die. I didn't. I climbed onto a rock ledge, waited out the storm, and managed to make my way back up the embankment and return by a different route. By that point, had been gone for about four hours and had escaped death only to be almost killed by my parents. My intoxicated friend knocked over another guy's pint by accident, and then his drunken brain decided he could take on the guy. The guy was built like a brick crap house, and his friends were all huge. They were the type of guys that didn't take too kindly to being challenged to a fight. We were two skinny 19-year-olds. Anyway, I bought Brick Crap House Guy a replacement drink and somehow talked him and his mates down from flattening the pair of us, then dragged my idiot friend out of the pub and got him home. Some people should moderate their drinking. By the way, the rule is, you spill another man's pint, you immediately apologize and buy the next round. 
Actually, saw the guy again a few days later, small town, and he was cool about it. Private pilot story. Just on a return flight with a few mates back to Loco Aerodrome, I looked down at rudder pedals and noticed the side of my shoe was basically starting to melt. First moment of realization that the engine was indeed on fire. Ha! I'm in danger! Uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming up here on the beautiful sights of Washington. You can actually see the uh, Space Needle if you take a look out to the left. Uh, just don't look to the right because there is smoke coming from the engine and my foot is on fire. Ah! Please enjoy your stay and thank you very much for flying with Western Airlines. A retired cop my dad knows has a great story. I guess this was like the 70s or 80s. A pregnant woman spent the night at her mother's house while her husband was at a bachelor party. She comes home in the morning and sees the door is ajar, but she knows she locked it. She runs to the neighbors and calls the police. She calls the house where the guys were supposed to be, but no one answers because it's like 7 a.m. after a novel of hard drinking. My dad's friend and another officer shows up. They talk to the wife and decide to check the house out just in case. Since she was pregnant, she's going to wait at the neighbor's house. So they walk in and shout, It's the police! If anyone is there, come out now! Or something like that. Then they start checking rooms. Nothing in the living room, nothing in the hall. But then they get to the kitchen. There is broken glass on the floor and what they think must be blood. So they call for backup and they keep looking. Nothing in the other bedroom, nothing in the washroom bathroom. Finally, they get to the master bedroom and see clothes on the bed. And they can hear someone in the master bathroom. This is the police! Come out now! They shout. And nothing. Finally, they decide to go in full force. They open the door and run in, weapons hot. They see a man, completely in his birthday suit, blood all over himself, and the bathroom passed out on the floor. The medicine cabinet is open and Everything that was in it was on the floor in the sink. The guy in the birthday suit wrapped his foot in a towel, and there was blood coming from it. Though they couldn't get him to talk, as he was unconscious, they called in for an ambulance. A few minutes later, the backup guys and the ambulance arrives, and they start treating the guy. Then my dad's friend goes to tell the pregnant woman about the intoxicated guy in his birthday suit that broke into her house. She was horrified. Because he was passed out and had lost the blood, the medics take him to the hospital. The pregnant woman and the neighbors are all looking out the window as they wheel the guy out, covered in a blanket, handcuffed to the stretcher. She just loses it, is laughing and crying, potentially hysterics from being pregnant. By this time, one of the other cops was inside and he starts trying to calm her down. He's afraid she is going to go into premature labor. Finally... The neighbor explained that the guy they had arrested was the pregnant lady's husband. It turned out his buddies dropped him off about half an hour before his wife got home. He stripped down for a shower, then decided to get some water, shattered a glass, then stepped on it, then wrapped his foot in the dish towel and crawled to the bathroom where he tried to disinfect it, but instead spilled everything, got blood everywhere, and passed out. That must have been a hell of a bachelor party. A couple of days ago, I was working up a tree, arborist. The tree in question was a black locust that was dying at the top. However, the base looked fine. I set about slowly dismantling the tree 
which was an awkward task because I couldn't get as high up onto the tree as I wanted due to the decay, and it was growing over a building, so I couldn't just let the bits free fall. After an hour or so of working, I heard a snap about a meter above me while I was about 13 meters up into the crown. I looked up to see a long branch above me that was growing into the crown of another tree had snapped. I realized instantly that this meant that the base of the tree I was in had failed, and I was going to go down with it if I didn't get out. Before I could even react, the tree was free-falling down towards the outbuilding that I had been working so hard to avoid. Time slowed down, and I could see my colleagues standing in the woodland watching me with pure fear on their faces. After that, it's hard to put thoughts into words but I remember looking down at where the tree was going to land and thinking that it's weird because this second I am completely lucid, but a second from not I will be probably unconscious, possibly never to regain consciousness. Yet I didn't feel any panic, just a knowing that I'm in extreme danger. All I could do was grab the nearest branch and plant my feet on another one and hope to God that I didn't end up under any part of the tree. After what seemed like forever, the tree came down onto the roof of the outbuilding. I had probably traveled 10 meters vertically and about the same laterally. The large limbs of the tree that were previously to my right, but were now above me, didn't snap and crush me like I was sure they would. I managed to hold onto my branch and stayed roughly in the middle of the tree. I was free from injury, other than a twisted ankle and a twinge in my wrist from holding on tight as the tree smashed down. I don't know how I didn't get seriously screwed up by that tree, and I don't know why it failed on me, but I will never forget that knowing that I'm in danger, falling with tons of wood, and there was nothing I could do about it. My third year fighting forest fires, I was upgraded to pump truck operator for a mop-up crew. After a section of the fire was deemed extinguished, they send in mop-up to make sure it's actually really out. I drove a giant pickup truck with a huge tank of soapy water and filled up portable water bags for the mop-up fighters. On my way back to base, I had a bit of water left when I saw plumes of white smoke. Your urge to extinguish all smoke because no one wants a dead fire to come back to life. There's a fallen tree next to a bunch of bushes and another half-fallen tree and the half-fallen tree is spewing hot coals every couple seconds with a loud pop. Each pop of hot coals makes the other wood products take off. The fire was at risk of starting over again, right here. I had nothing but a small ant bladder bag. I bounded down to the pump truck, grabbed a hose, ran it up, bounded down, turned the hose on, ran up, and began attacking the situation. As I'm chasing down the heat and fuel source, I realize I'm surrounded by flammable objects. Soon after, I'm surrounded by giant flames, alone. I was literally screaming and laughing as I hacked and sprayed away at the rising flames. I got it tamed down after soaking and chopping, killed the main source. I also sprayed the heck out of the branches so soapy water was dripping everywhere. I had just finished rolling the hose back up and was catching my breath when these marines came running up the hill. They were sent to investigate the smoky mess I've been dealing with. Being high-fived by a Marine is a good feeling. I know you guys might hear this a lot in general, where people say, like, you know, hey, you know, appreciate your firefighters, but seriously appreciate the people doing this. Fighting fires is absolutely no joke. 
incredibly grateful. It's, it's something I know I personally could never do. When I was about 12, a friend from our local church drove me and his sons to go swimming at a creek near where we lived. I didn't know how to swim yet, but he assured me that I'd be fine since there wasn't much water and it could be a good learning experience. So far, pretty normal stuff. It gets weird, though. The water was much deeper than expected, and he did nothing to help on several occasions when I almost drowned. I was supposed to stay at his house overnight, but wasn't feeling very good after breathing in water a few times. Plus, something obviously didn't feel right. He was mumbling to himself while he put his shoes back on after swimming. Good thing I stayed home. Turns out he was off his medication. My family didn't know that he had previously terminated a person during a hunting trip when he was in his early teens. The night I decided to go home, he went off the rails. He believed that the world was going to end, so he tried to terminate his whole family. When my family went to church that Sunday, we didn't see his family. The pastor told us what happened. They had all miraculously survived, but he was now in lockup for his serious issues. Almost drowned, almost taken out, family friend was murder, and we didn't know it. Going home from a party in a shared Uber with some friends, I mistook the street for another one and ended up further away from my apartment than I thought. I put the GPS on, and of course, it makes you take some back alley. At one, I saw some movement near a car, and there was a guy looking at me. I pass him, try to call my friend because he was looking weird. By the way, I did the wrong number and someone got a voicemail for me, sounding totally terrified and spitting nonsense. I walk faster and look back. He is ducking behind another car and clearly switched from his original place, and he had a small knife in his hand. I bolted from there and ran as fast as possible with adrenaline and stopped after finding a busy street. But when I saw the knife, I definitely went, oh crap. I was on holiday and had left my hotel to walk to Livingstone National Park in Zimbabwe. My friends had visited earlier in the day and wanted to stay by the pool, so I figured I'd walk over by myself, since it wasn't a particularly long trip. The easiest route for my hotel was following a small path between some bushes and trees. I'd been down the path before, but this time, there were families of baboons walking down this path and no other person. I walked on anyway, figuring that as long as I wasn't waving food around or getting too close, I'd be fine. Apparently, I must have done the latter and unintentionally stepped too close to one of their young because one of the full-grown adult baboons jumped out in front of me and started howling at me, baring its teeth. Because of the noise it was making, it attracted the attention of all the other baboons and two other full-grown adults, soon joined the first and howling and showing serious aggression, all of a couple of yards in front of me and to my side. I had no idea if there were more behind me, but my instinct in the situation was to hold up my hands to show empty palms, stand tall, broad, and start stepping backwards and away slowly. Thankfully, it worked. They eventually turned away and carried on, but for a short while, my mind was having flashes of being torn apart by three baboons. I later found out their bites can break human bones, so I'm pretty lucky that my instinct in the situation was the correct one. I arrived for work at a bank, stepped inside, and had a stranger say, Happy April Fools, and put a revolver against my temple. Two robbers, both with revolvers and rifles, had made their way inside before opening, 
and had bailed up the manager as he arrived and then the staff as they arrived. They were talking to a third accomplice on walkie-talkies. I was told to lie face down on the ground, arms on my back and legs together. One robber was going down the line, hog-tying staff with cable ties, while the other had a manager and supervisors unlocking safes. All along, there were threats not to look or move, or you would be shot. The robber had just tied my wrists together, with the pistol lying on the ground between my legs, when I heard a commotion. A staff member had managed to exit while they were distracted. The robbers followed him and left the bank quickly. They got nothing. All in all, I was there with 15 other staff for about 35 minutes. They were caught further down the track. These were career bank robbers who pulled off a number of robberies over a period of time before being caught. It was really like a movie, dressed in suits, dark glasses, gloves, black spray paint over the cameras. You open the time lock safe. You get ready to open safe deposit boxes. You do the night safe. They certainly had a plan. Six months later, the same branch was hit by another group. I had since moved to another city. But that robbery, according to my colleagues who were in both, was way more terrifying. I was living with a man I'd known for a month. New York City be like that. And one day, I left without saying anything to him. I was at McDonald's, and he texted and asked if I was at Papa John's, which was across from McDonald's. Thought, oh, creepy. Then I got home, and... We had a conversation where he started talking about something I just texted my girlfriend about, and it was a topic we had never discussed before. Red flag. I'm in danger. All the times he seemed to be in the right place at the right time, had food for me when I hadn't eaten, hit me all at once. Found out, dude had spyware on my phone and was watching my every move. So 100% agree, this is extremely creepy. And no one should be doing this. But with a weird, cute, twisted idea, what if, ironically, he actually just was really caring, but he had no idea how to properly give that kind of care? Hey, buddy, you had a good workout? I bet you did. That was some really good Pilates in there. I brought you some water and uh, this really delicious Big Mac for that nice protein. You need your protein, Big Mac? Yeah, uh, thanks, buddy, but I didn't tell you I was going to go for a workout. Oh, I know. I'm your Papa Bird, watching you wherever you go. Gotta have a Big Mac for a big ma'am. I love you. <laughs> when I was 18 years old, I was living in my first apartment by myself. I had no roommates, and my parents had just moved. My downstairs neighbors were a group of 20-somethings who had lots of traffic. Constantly people coming and going, parties multiple times per week, Rarely saw the same people twice. One day, I noticed a blacked-out vehicle in one of the parking lots. I swear I saw a camera with a long, long lens through the heavily tinted windows, but I just kind of brushed it off. Maybe it's paranoia. Over the next three days, I see more and more surveillance. Vans, sedans, trucks, all of them mirror black and limo tint windows. They would sit there for eight or so hours at a time, and another vehicle would rotate in and relieve the post. Then, quick as they came, they disappeared one day. Now, I'm getting concerned. I have no idea what is going on, but someone is definitely watching my apartment building. Two weeks after I saw the last surveillance vehicle, I go out in my balcony for a smoke. That's when I see the cops. Holy crap. So many freaking cops. They were stacked up 
breaching style on the sides of the building adjacent to me. There were probably two dozen uniformed officers. Suddenly, they fan out, weapons drawn and hot, and aimed at my building. They take defensive positions and are yelling at each other. One of them motions at me aggressively to go inside. Then a file of a dozen SWAT officers begin closing in on my building, walking right up the path. I'm crapping my pants now because I've got a half an ounce of herbs and alcohol in my house, and there's 40 cops outside. I go inside and hide everything as best I can and go to the window that faces outside so I can watch this crazy crap go down. The neighbors below me got raided. The SWAT team fired a launcher of some sort through their windows. I heard five loud pops followed by acrid smoke wafting through my vents. They forcefully entered the apartment and I heard so freaking many shots. One small caliber pop followed by a roar of larger weapons. Must have been a hundred rounds. I threw myself on the floor of my apartment as I listened to the supersonic crack of rounds missing. It seemed to never stop. I guess the neighbors were major players in the illegal substance game, and one of them pulled their piece during the raid, so the SWAT team terminated all three of them. The apartment building was condemned, and I had to move back in with my parents. After the fact, I realized how lucky I was to not get shot on my balcony or struck by a stray round in my home. Sometimes I have flashbacks and nightmares to that moment. My face on the uncomfortably thick carpet. Blue-gray smoke in the apartment. Glass shattering. Drywall cracking. Rounds flying. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories. And if you like Am I the Genius, give Am I the Jerk a shot. Linked in the description as well. Thanks a lot for watching. See you next time.